The fifth aliyah of Parshas Vayishlach is a heavy aliyah. No two ways about it. It is a hard one to read on many levels. Aliyah starts, Dina, the daughter of Leah, who Leah had born to Jacob, to Yaakov. Remember, Dina was supposed to be a boy, but then Leah realized that if she's a, she has another boy, and Yaakov in total only has 12 sons, and this is going to be number 11, Rachel will only have one son, and even the maidservants had two. So she prayed and it changed to a girl. Now Dia's, Dina was Leah's daughter, not only in a biological sense, but also in a moral sense. She inherited her mother's willingness to venture out of the safety of her tent for good purposes, because she was confident in her ability to influence others, even though she was only a 10-year-old at the time. She went out to observe the girls of the region in order to convince them to adopt the righteous ways. It doesn't end well. Shechem, son of Hamor, the Chivite, who was the chief of the region, saw her, took her, raped her, and abused her in many ways. Now, despite himself, that means usually when somebody rapes, you don't really get attached because you just throw the person away. He became attached to Jacob's daughter. He loved the girl, and he spoke to the girl in a way he hoped to win over her heart, saying, look, how many ornate coins your father expended just to purchase a small parcel of land. If you marry me, boy, will I take care of you like more than you cannot imagine. And everything will become yours. Shechem spoke to his father Hamar as follows, saying, get me this young girl as a wife. Now Jacob hears that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dina. Meanwhile, his sons were in the field of the livestock, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Meanwhile, Shechem's father, Hamar, went out to Jacob to speak to him. Jacob's sons returned from the field when they heard what Shechem had done to Dina. The men, her brothers, became furious and deeply incensed, for Shechem had committed an outrage to their father, Israel, by raping their sister, Yaakov's daughter. Such a thing was considered socially and legally taboo ever since humanity has collectively committed in the wake of the flood, to stay away from forbidden relations and made it a capital offense. Such Shechem's act made him liable to the death penalty. And in their eyes, the other residents of the city were implicated in this offense for not having voiced their protest. Hamar speaks to them and says, My son Shechem deeply desires your daughter. I implore you, give, you, give her to him in marriage. And not only her, intermarry with us, give us your daughters, take your daughters for yourselves. And these marriages will take happen at your discretion. You decide whatever you want. You'll make the decision which men to take for your daughters and which daughter of your daughter, which of our daughters you'll take for your men. You will live amongst us. And the land will be open for you. You may settle in, trade in, acquire holdings in it. And then Shechem, the son, said to the, her father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you tell me to give as a dowry, I will give. Go ahead, demand whatever you want, the highest figure in the bridal contract and for gifts, and I will give as much as you tell me, just give me this girl as a wife. When Yaakov's sons replied to Shechem and his father, they spoke cunningly. They didn't intend anything they really said. They said, we cannot do such a thing to give our sister to an uncircumcised man. That would be a disgrace for us. The truth is, he says, when one of our people wished to insult someone, he calls him uncircumcised. 
or the son of an uncircumcised father. For us, it's like the worst disgrace. Therefore, we will give our assent only in this condition that you, you like us, in that every that you be like us, in that every male has a circumcision. We will then intermarry at our discretion. We will give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live together with you and become a single nation. But if you do not heed us and circumcise yourself, we will take our sister, our father's daughter, and depart. These terms were acceptable to Hamar and to Shechem, Hamar's son. The young man did not delay carrying out his thing because he really desired uh, Dina, and he was the most respected person in his father's household, so he was easily going to get his way. So he gathers all the people of the town together with his dad, and they spoke to the people, and they say, listen, these men, Jacob's family, are fully at peace with us. Let them live in the land, trade in the land, for the land has enough ample room for them. Supply in our land exceeds demand, so letting them live here and trade in the land will not adversely affect our economy. We will take their daughters as wives and we will give our daughters to them, both at our discretion. In other words, now they change the narrative, not making the, you know, Yaakov and uh, the family sounding the ones that they're going to have the discretion, but rather this family will have discretion. But only on this condition will these men consent to live with us if we all circumcise. After all, when they dwell with us, their livestock, their possessions, all their animals will become ours. Let us agree to this condition and move on. <clears throat> all the people who had come after the gate to hear the speech agreed and they circumcised themselves. On the third day after the circumcision, when the Chivites were all in pain, two of Yaakov's sons, Shimon and Levi, number two and three in the family, took up the sword. They acted as Dina's loyal brothers, risking their lives for her sake, but without consulting their father. They fell upon the city, confident in their ability to overcome the men, firstly because the Chivites' weakness and pain due to the circumcision, and secondly in the merit of their father Jacob, and killed every male. They took the Chivites' flocks, cattle, donkeys, and whatever else in the city and the field. They seized all the money, captured all the children and the womenfolk, and plundered everything in the possession. When the two brothers attacked the city of Shechem, its Amorites' allies came to its defense. And when this happened, Yaakov took his sword and bow, stood at the entrance of the city, fenced them off, even though he did disapprove of his son's attack on the city. That's what the Medrash tells us. Jacob turns to Shimon and Levi and says, you have taken away my peace of mind by making me unloved among the local inhabitants. Obviously the Chittites were all dead, but we're talking about the Canaanites and the Prezites. He says, until now they did not perceive us as a threat. They knew that Hashem promised us the land, but they assumed that we would not attempt to drive them out until we had sufficiently multiplied and grown into a nation. Since that, that, since that is how Hashem phrased his blessing, that first we would become a nation, then we would chase them out. But now that they have seen that two of you undertook to execute judgment against a whole city on your own, they will fear us. And the truth is, I only have a few people on my side. If they band together to attack me, we will all be wiped out. To this, Shimon and Levi replied, what choice did we have? Should we have allowed our sister 
to be treated like a woman who's not protected by her family and anyone could violate? Hashem now turns to Yaakov and says, listen, your daughter Dina was uh, abducted and raped as punishment for you of hitting her, hiding her from Esav and for having tarried and fulfilling your promise to offer up sacrifices to me when you return to Canaan. In other words, this nothing was by random choice, and unfortunately she had to pay the price of your actions. Therefore, go up to Bethel, where you originally made the covenant, live there, make an altar to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing your brother Esau. So Yaakov turns to his family and says, let's remove all the idols, that we took from the non-Jews of Shechem and are now in your possession. Purify yourself from coming in contact with these idols. And if you're wearing any clothes from Shechem, change your clothes. So there should be no idolatrous images and decorations. Then we will rise and go to Bethel and I will make an altar to God who has always answered me in times of distress and who has accompanied me on all my journeys. They handed over the idols of the possession to Yaakov as well as the earrings in their ears and Yaakov buried them under the terebinth that is next to Shechem. They set out. Yaakov's fears proved unfounded, for the dread of Hashem fell upon the inhabitants of the surrounding cities, and they did not pursue Yaakov and his family following the incident of Shechem. Thus, Yaakov came to Luz, which is Bethel and Canaan. He and all the people were with him. He built an altar there. He named the place El Bethel. God is revealed in Bethel because it was Hashem who revealed himself when he was fleeing to Esav. Just as he had done when he was, oh, sorry, Rebecca's wet nurse, Devorah, whom she had sent to fetch Yaakov from Lovin's house eight years prior to this, when, uh, when Yaakov first negotiated the terms of his stay um, with Lavan, and then obviously Yaakov ended up staying there another six years and then two years in travels, so Devorah died. And she was buried below Bethel, which is located on a hilltop, on a plateau near the bottom of the slope of the hill. Unfortunately, as Yaakov was burying Devorah, a messenger arrived to inform him that his mother Rivka had also died. And Yaakov therefore named this place Alon Bachut, the plain of weeping, for he mourned for his mother there. Unfortunately, having not seen his mother for 22 years, he did not end up seeing her at all. Now, just as he had done when he had, on his way to Padanaram, Hashem appeared to Yaakov at Bethel on his way from Padanaram and blessed him, this time in order to console him, to do Nichum Avelim um, for the passing of his mom. And Hashem gave Yaakov the alternative name Israel, just as Esav's garden angel had informed him would be. He said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be called only by the name Yaakov, but rather, Israel will also be your name. And he named him Yisrael. And then Hashem said to him, I swear to you by my own self, as God Almighty, that your progeny will be fruitful and increase, becoming a great nation that will survive eternally and inherit the land of Israel. And I'm also going to bless you yourself in this regard. Since I'm God, who has the power to confer blessings, I bless you as followers. Be fruitful through your twelfth son. You're going to still have another child and two more daughters. And increase your numbers through his older brother Joseph. This will happen as follows. 
a nation, that's a tribe, will issue from the twelfth son, a community of nations, that is two tribes, will come forth through Joseph, the tribes of Menashe and Ephraim, and moreover, Melachim kings, will be born from you via the son about to be born via the family of Benjamin.